Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Copiar, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. If you are an original fashion blogger girly, then you would definitely know all about Beck and Marissa, the sisters behind Twice Blessed. The duo are a part of Melbourne's most stylish influences and are known for their chic dressing. They have had a very interesting career trajectory from content creators to fashion label owners at Major, and it is certainly an interesting journey that they share today. I Absolutely loved chatting to the pair all about their advice for aspiring fashion influencers, their take on sustainability in the industry, and how they started their very own label. Now, enough from me. Let's get on to the interview. Firstly, welcome Beck and Marissa to the press office. I have been such an avid follower of Twice Blessed for a long, long time. So I'm really, really excited to chat to you today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And for following us for so long. Still very, very humble. <laughs> well, let's kick right off. Could you tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind Twice Blessed and what drove your initial love affair with fashion and styling? Um, I guess Twice Blessed was really birthed out of us just loving fashion from a very, very young age. But then also we have a background in marketing. So we were studying marketing and communication design at the time way back when like 12 years ago we weren't in our 30s <laughs> and being from I guess European background our parents were kind of just like oh why don't you start like a business or a website or something and not really knowing what that could mean and we were like oh why don't we start a blog because when blogging really kind of kicked off this is we're talking 2011 12, 12. Kind of time when I guess you had the big kind of OG bloggers like Gary Peppergirl and Harper and Harley were really kind of I'm seeing the scene for bloggers back in the day. And there weren't many other duo bloggers. There were probably a few others out there. And we kind of thought, we don't want to sell a product as of yet, which is our right next and how we are. But back then, we didn't want to sell a product. We just wanted to, we loved our fashion, we loved styling. All of our peers and our friends would always say, oh, you know, Alpha's always so nice. Where'd you get them from? So we kind of thought, oh, why don't we just start a blog and kind of use um, Instagram predominantly as a bit of our resume to show future employers about what we can do for marketing. Yeah. And that's how kind of just kicked off. But we have loved our fashion for a very long time. Being twins, I think, um, mum definitely dressed us in the kind of cute, kind of stereotypical twin outfits. Yeah. Um, and she actually made a lot of our outfits, yes. especially when we were younger. She'd make us like matching little dresses or matching little like hats and with little like frills. And obviously it was the 90s. So it was like, (laughs) you know, key 90s trends, but like in baby fashion. And I think from there, we just always loved dressing and Mm. we had our individual styles as we're growing up throughout our teens. And then when we kind of matured in our early 20s, we kind of established a very similar aesthetic of how we both like to dress. And it kind of just made sense to kind of 
conceptualize this showcase i conceptualize that in little images for instagram i miss the days like the fashion blogging heydays that was just amazing i would be stalking blogs every day that i would jump on the computer it feels like a different a bygone era honestly it's so different now the way media is kind of processed and i feel like us millennials really went through this such a digital shift so we experienced so much of it. So we experienced so- that intense Tumblr oh. era and that intense Blogspot yes. era and just, you know, trawling through Pinterest for street style fashion yeah. and that I think we so different. it's so different yet to how we absorb media now and how we absorb fashion now. Obviously it's so much more video based content. Um, which we've had to navigate and change, but I think our background in marketing has allowed us to forecast those trends and forecast those changes and really helped us I guess pivot where we've needed to pivot. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just where we've kind of started the progression of twice blessed, yeah, really. It's really old. Yeah. I wanted to ask about your evolution as a brand as twice blessed because obviously not only has your content had to change with you know what's trending in fashion and the types of content that you're sharing but also the platforms that you're using right when you first started Instagram wasn't the the massive platform then it was and now we're moving on to TikTok yeah it's um, been really fascinating to see the evolution I think um again being having that marketing background you always want to kind of know what's next not because you want to be the first or an early adopter but it is really important especially as we are a little bit older and there are is a huge influx of influencers in the industry now who service you know that younger that gender demographic and we're not that um we kind of have to be smart and savvy and say well what's next thing can can we be an early adopter into a new platform and not beat our competition because it's not about that but how can we provide a better service to our community and not kick a dead horse and, and kind of focus on one platform that isn't providing the same level of um connection and connections it used to our community we've kind of steered away from writing our blog as much we sort of here and there but obviously it's not a main traffic source anymore like instagram is still i guess our main traffic source and then tiktok now has just exploded we've got more followers on tiktok than we do on instagram yeah and it's just exploded so it's now the focus kind of pivot and focus more on creating different kinds of content now too which is very fascinating yeah it's great that you can do that because i i feel like a lot of especially instagrammers have struggled with that transition onto TikTok because the type of content's so different too. It's not about those static posts, it's video content. And that is so much more time consuming to create as well. Yeah. And I think that's just that, I think, just kind of funny because Rebecca and I, if you met us in real life, we're not, I was saying our Instagram's very polished and pretty. We're big dorks. So we're just like really, I don't think we're very, I mean, I don't think I'm very cool. And we just said, yeah. Like, it's actually, it looks actually more nice for us because it feels more organic and more like us, uh, how we are, our personality. Well, we're not wearing makeup. We're wearing our glasses. We're kind of just like looking like ourselves and normal. And I think TikTok really as a platform really allows us to kind of tap into that old YouTube vlog style of content that we loved and that our audience loved because you're able to connect in a really, really real and tangible way that people can relate to you. That's why we love that platform. Yes, we still post a lot of fashion content on there. It's predominantly like, this is what I'm wearing today, get ready with me. But it's with that unfiltered lens and veil of I'm not 
editing this photo. I'm not, you know, posing perfectly. I'm not doing a perfect walking shot. It's just me getting ready in the morning. And I think that's what's allowed that platform for us to really kick off and be a bit more dorky in ourselves, our personality, because that's how you connect with the community. And uh, yeah, our audience, I mean, we're very transparent with our audience. They kind of generally know, even on Instagram, that we're very authentic. We are who we are. We're not going to you know, intentionally lie. We're quite integral in everything we do. So it's translated easier for us, I think, because, I mean, on Instagram, I feel like we are the manufactured, polished version of who we are on TikTok. So, but it's still who we are in on, on either sense. It's a professional sense. Yeah. Well, that is one of the reasons why I love TikTok because it is so authentic and I feel like the filters get taken off. So I love that. And you mentioned that you create a lot of like get ready with me content. So as fashion icons, what are some key elements that you guys consider when styling and integrating fashion into your life and into your content? I think it depends. So for me, I think, and I guess the reason why we started our fashion brand, I'm sure we'll on later as well, is the foundational wardrobe building blocks. Yeah. Um, that has to be your go-to. I feel like, I mean, I'm getting older, I'm quite the lazy dresser, not in a bad way. I just want things to be simplified. Mm. I just kind of feel like, what's my uniform? What's my go-to? I mean, we have luxury that we have gone through many personal style evolution, but now I know my own personal style, quite confident with it. So for me, it's the foundational building blocks and I think about style as a whole. So it's, first of all, how am I feeling today? Do I want to be comfortable? Do I want to be put together? Or do I want my outfit to change the way I'm feeling? Sometimes if I feel really like sloppy and lazy and gross, I intentionally put on a really polished outfit to kind of like juxtapose and counter how I'm feeling. Mm. Um, but then I think what I, I ever go for, I'm a jacket person. I'm like a little magpie for jackets specifically. Yeah. So I kind of build my outfit. We both are. It's so it's dangerous. Just, it's Our wardrobe is just, just like 45 blazers. It's a disease. <laughs> so it's like I pick my outfit on my jacket predominantly. Um, so I think do I want to wear a blazer today mm. or do I want to wear like a bomber jacket? Because if we're doing a bomber jacket, I might do a pair of like tailored trousers to kind of juxtapose. And you're going to say that as well. I'm going to say tailored trousers. So I think if you're doing casual up top, do something a bit more chic down bottom or vice versa. I'm going to tailored blazer. I might do a pair of jeans or a cargo pant, which is very on trend now, um, or like an, a, a palazzo trouser to kind of like balance it out. I think I'm very much the same. I'm very limited now because I'm eight months pregnant. So like my sense of <laughs> styling, my sense, yeah, so my sense of styling is definitely um, stretch content. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but pre pregnancy it was definitely the same concept like balancing texture and tone and fabrication and silhouette and that's always how I like to get dressed whether it is a very simple outfit of a suit but making sure the silhouettes complement each other or complement my silhouette really nicely so yeah it's definitely things we think about when we're styling ourselves thank you for sharing that and I think you both have amazing style it's very chic and put together like you said that you're not in real life but you do look it (laughs) (laughs) we do try (laughs) and in terms of some brand collaborations you have worked with some incredible brands are there any that come to mind as just career highlights so far um, I think when we think of like our careers in total, some brands that a brand that I loved working with, and there was on a paid basis, and we felt so lucky to do this was um, 2017, I think, or 2018. We flew to Milan Fashion Week um, for work, and we were paid by Todd's to go to their runway show and do content for them, which was awesome. And I think that was a year that Kendall Jenner walked in the show, and it was just really cool because like 
for us, when we started Twice Blessed all those years ago, we had no idea this could become a career for us and we did it just for fun. Mm. And to then mm. be sitting at a global runway show, front row, watching Kendall Jenner walk past you, being paid by a global brand was like such a humbling and amazing yeah. experience. We just felt, wow, how blessed are we to have this? And then and I think and two other ones I really love. One um, is a partnership we have, we have with Long Jeans, the uh, timepiece brand. We love mm. working with them purely because it's actually quite more of a sentimental thing than anything else. In uh, a lot of European cultures, when you get engaged, um, it's kind of like a transfer of gifts that your parents-in-law give you and vice versa. And so for us, it's called like, they call it like the, the, logies. the logies or the logies. And it's basically like um, when your future partner proposes to you, it's kind of like you declare that you're going to be together and it's kind of your in-laws give your partner a gift and vice versa and it's kind of like and it's always a timepiece or a piece of gold or something like sentimental that lasts a long time so and for us Beck was given a, a long jeans watch for her engagement from her in-laws and vice versa so when we got the punch of long jeans it felt really special because it's something that I've, my parents have long jeans watches so it was very special collaboration um, and then another one which is very like off tangent because not fashion related we got to work with a kind of alpha this year and they are last year, uh, last year they're an organization that help uh with a christian organization that work with youth and young adults helping them just with the big questions in life and for us now back when we spoke about identity um and how not to have labels on yourself and that was really powerful because we got to impact teenagers and young young adults um growing up in this very turbulent generation about how to have um not to have labels on yourself and be free in your identity that was really special as well i think yeah They are some incredible collaborations and I especially loved what you said about the long jeans one too because I think it's really important when partnering with content creators or influencers to find this really genuine fit and it aligning with each other's values. So that little story is just a nugget of gold for long jeans. Honestly, and when we actually, because we stumbled across upon the marketing team by pure chance it were having we were in like a showing with bianca spender at her store in armadale and she, the girls from longings happened to walk in needing an outfit for um, the races that weekend in sydney and we all got talking and then i was talking about how i have my watch and blah 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 and they were like wow you guys would be a really good fit for the brand and that's literally how it progressed it, quite actually. it really was and then i think once we started working with the brand on a creator level, like we had so many followers being like, I bought the watch, I bought the watch, I bought the watch because like it was so organic and so authentic and it translated. It's probably one of our most successful collaborations in terms of translating to sales because it was so authentically driven. And I think that's what's so important for brand collaborations that sometimes gets overlooked is working with creators who have the biggest profile who are super popular but they don't have an actual substance with the brand yes. off screen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what worked so well for us. And I loved it. I was so proud of that collaboration and with the brand. I still want to watch. I'm wearing it now, actually. It's not like my favourite. It's actually my only nice timepiece. It's in my Apple Watch or something I have. Yeah. So I adore it. Yeah. But, yeah, you're so right. Those authentic and genuine storytelling pieces just make for such great marketing strategies and it it leads to transactions so it's a win-win for everyone absolutely (laughs) now 
In terms of your career journey so far, since starting as content creators, you have recently transitioned into creating your very own fashion label major. So why did you start major and what is the brand's vision? Um, I think the journey for us into wanting to start a fashion brand has always been on the cards. It's always just been what's the right time, when is the right time, because it is a huge financial investment. And I think we tried to, towards the tail end of COVID, with little like capture collection, didn't really work out and we were like, mm, a bit scarred from it. So it took our time to really think about what we want to be doing and why we want to be doing it. And I think being in the influencer space for so many years, we knew that it would hit a ceiling eventually. And we knew that we would become not irrelevant, but we knew that there would become a, there's a huge new wave of creators who were more popular or more. And even just more so with our lifestyle changing. I have a child, a breakfast pregnant, you know, as you get older, I don't want to be going to a million events all the time. Kind of yeah. Thing. What's next for us? And so we were thinking what's next for us in terms of creating a sustainable and long lasting career that means that we can scale it. It's scalable in terms of growth, but it doesn't require us to duplicate ourselves any further because we've already done it once and we can't duplicate ourselves anymore. <laughs> so we were like, look, I think creating a brand, we want to do it anyway because there's a, we've always found a gap in the market for pieces that we couldn't find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we always knew we, were, we might as well just create pants to fit us because nothing else fits us. Yeah. We always said it off like, like tongue-in-cheek sort of thing and then we got to a point where we were like, well, why don't we actually investigate this because yeah. – you know, we're getting to a point in our careers as bloggers where it's getting a little bit more taxing. You know, Marissa's a mom, I'm becoming a mom, and how can we do something and add more value to our consumers? Yes. It was more so going that next step from what Twice Blessed is now. We can only service our community to a certain capacity because we um, are at don't mercy. Have, we don't yeah. have ownership over the brand in its entirety. Um, we are at the mercy of brands, for example. We that, that, That's our payment, that's our wage. So we are at the mercy in that capacity to bring it down in a very, I guess, clinical Term. So we wanted to create a brand like Major so we could actually be a greater impact to those around us, not just through the physical garments, but more than that and beyond that. So it gave us it gives us a vessel to really do more than what we can do now as bloggers. Obviously servicing community in terms of like finding pants that actually fit their smaller waist to larger bum and hip ratio, which I just think is the most logical thing ever as females. But, but in ten years in ten years of being bloggers, we can never find a pair of pants no. off the rack that fit us. Never. And so and we knew that our community had the same pain points as us because they would also DM us and be like, I am so frustrated. Why do pants not fit my ass? And I'm just like the same. Yeah. And so so we majorly birthed out of a problem and our marketing brain's problem. Let's find a solution and let's make the solution ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things I love about Major is that it encourages conscious shopping and wardrobe sustainability. Do you mind kind of talking more about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way we see fashion, especially now in our 30s, is shopping really consciously. Shopping, not necessarily like the way I see sustainability isn't necessarily from a fabrication perspective, um, but it's more from a shopping habits perspective. I think as circularity. Yeah, I think as a consumer, we have to take ownership as well over sustainability and not just make the brand be sustainable because that's also really lazy. And so the way I shop is very conscious. It's considered, is this blaze going to last me a long time? Will I get a lot of wear out of it? And that's how I have to shop. And that's how Major was really created in and, that mindset. Yeah, I mean, and even in terms of like even going deeper than that, the fabrications we've used, like for our 
first collection of suiting is 100% polyester. And, yes, polyester is kind of frowned upon like a taboo fabrication to use. However, we went beyond that thought process. We want something that washes well, that wears well, that holds its structural integrity. For example, Especially our, for the pieces it's being created to buy. And, and the target market we're trying to achieve, which is a millennial millennial woman who might be in a creative, like a creative in a workspace but still wants to look chic and put together. What if you're travelling to state? You need to wear your suit on the plane. I don't want to crush. If it's a linen, which is a beautiful fabric that will crush, then it's not really presentable and it's not really doing its job. Or, for example, if you're wearing this suit three times a week and you get dry clean every single week, then therefore is that worthwhile as well? How is that building sustainability kind of mindset and conscious mindset? So for us, it was more so building the workhorses in your wardrobe um, so you can buy one, buy once and buy better. So this blazer, for example, will last you years to come because the fabrication has great integrity. Um, it's, it sits well, it's structured well, you feel great in it. It washes and wears well. It washes and wears well. So that's how we kind of frame it. And obviously, as we progress, we've been doing this for only two months, but as we progress, we want to move towards more fabric, uh, blended fabrication, fabrication, things like that. Um, for us, sustainability is, isn't just black and white. It has to be seen from both lenses as well because you have to always consider the the – no not that it's the way the fabric looks and drapes on the body i think there is we're very visual people as well and we want clothes to look a certain way on us and some fabrics that are beautiful and you know natural do not sit nicely on a silhouette and that's why it's so important to incorporate man-made fibers as well in conjunction with you know natural fibers to create a really holistic approach for fabrication and the way clothing fits then also um you know having that man-made fiber allows the product to stay in your wardrobe and lifestyle for a lot longer because it has more longevity i love what you're saying about you know sustainability in fashion because especially now i find with social media and tiktok especially fast fashion is just becoming such a big thing especially i get served a lot of like American influencers doing Shein hauls and I'm like that is the worst of the worst and it must be so hard to especially when people are so driven by trends in what they're wearing and maybe they don't have their personal style yet in knowing what to invest in but that's what I love about your label is that it's a very classic piece as you could incorporate it into any kind of wardrobe and like you said it's investing in those pieces that will actually last you the test of time and I think people when people think of you know brands like she and those fast fashion brands who use a lot of man-made fibers there's a very big difference between a very cheap man-made fiber and a very expensive high-grade man-made fiber people see polyester and they think polyester is all the same it is so few, like vast, the breadth of types of polyester you can get access to. And we only work with really, really high quality fabrications, even if they are man-made, because we want the garment to last and feel luxurious. And when people put our blazers on, they're like, I don't know this polyester, it feels so amazing. And then also as well, alongside that, um, the release one and two collection we first kind of came out with, we did it very strategically. We wanted to create, create a very um, uncomplicated, unf- unfussy first collection that was kind of almost a, no, a non-brainer. Someone who is fashion-focused like ourselves, who are on the pulse with fashion trends, would be like, oh, perfect, this is such a seamless you know, suit I can buy. But then other people who maybe aren't on that fashion pulse. They may be out of the workforce for a few years on maternity leave and come back saying, be, how do I dress? Yeah, kind of confused with what looks good. 
they know they can buy this suit and it's uncomplicated. It looks good together. It looks good with other pieces as well. It's seamless and transitions really nicely. We're really intentional about even the way we cut our blazer, for example. We wanted this, it's called the tailored blazer. We want this perfect combination of tailored but still oversized. So the back is darted in this really beautiful manner that when it's open or shut, it gives a really nice curve to the back. But then from the front, it's open, quite boxy. But then when it's buttoned up, it has this really beautiful tailoring. So it gives that versatility. It's not just a a one-trick pony. It kind of has a lot of different things as well. Um, And the same thing with even our split skirt. You can wear it dressy. I'm wearing with, like, stockings and boots today. We wear it for a wedding. We wanted to create those workhorses in the wardrobe that fit seamlessly, that really get your money's worth. And they are workhorses. They do lots of different things. Mm. They're not just, oh, you can only wear this in this situation. I'm not really a fan of those kind of pieces. That no, we're not those, that kind of consumer. And I think that also plays into that sustainability mindset of using, creating pieces that have multi multiple functions. Yes. Yeah, not just a one-trick pony. They really service loads of different areas that you can go to work if you work corporately or a corporate-ish environment, go to drinks, go to a wedding, go to a winery, whatever it may be. And our you know major release one and two pieces can seamlessly fit into so many different categories of your life. Uh, you both previously mentioned that when you first were starting the label that you did run into a few hurdles over COVID. So do you mind touching on some of the challenges that you encountered when starting the label and how you overcame these? Well, this was a different, like, it was um, a collaboration label with a different design team, different team in Melbourne. And I guess the challenges we faced was having the control we wanted in terms of working with the manufacturers we wanted mm-hmm. and getting the quality and the ethical standpoint we wanted. Yeah. It was more so we were very green. We had no, no idea. idea who to contact, what manufacturers to use, which I think a lot of new brands do face, which actually leads into how we feel Major has worked so well so far is because we rectified those small issues we had with the previous co-collaboration is that we found an amazing team who actually we had worked with the founder 12 years ago at Sassen Bayer when we first worked there in retail. Um, now she's a production designer and she does a lot of production. So she's part of our team, she's our wing woman, um, from Zoe from Fred Jam. And so she does – we go with her, the, our concepts and our ideas and our designs, and she cuts them all up, makes them look all pretty, inspects all up, and then goes to the manufacturers through there. So that was a major challenge we had faced previously that we had mitigated for major, and it worked mm-hmm. really well. We we employed the employed the right people. So we sourced the right people who could help us. Who we, were experts in yeah, their we field. We know our limitations. We're great at fashion in terms of, like, styling, what looks good. We don't know anything about manufacturing i don't know anything about doing CAD design so i'll go to someone who's an expert in that field and yes it does cost to do those things mm. but the end result is much better and quicker and it provided yeah, a much more streamlined process like marissa said we had much less issues second time around we were able to narrow down amazing manufacturers who had really high standards who worked with a lot of australian brands so they had completed all like their smeter audits they, um, you know, work with amazing Australian brands. So we knew we were in good company by signing with that manufacturer and trusting that they had, you know, all those ethics and sustainability yeah. practices down pat. Um, but then another, I guess another challenge, I think, is really the financial side of things. Oh not let's talk about But it's really, really expensive starting a fashion brand, um, especially starting it well and to the level that we 
I mean, I think we demand it of ourselves. We have a very high standard of the way we do a lot of things. Um, and major was no exception. It was, it was so it's quite a higher standard than twice plus, I think. Yeah. Um, so it was really expensive. Um, and that was really daunting. So we had to obviously go through banks to go put a loan against our homes, which is really scary. Um, yeah, we, we halved our salary for 12 months to yeah. save for and we got mortgages of a child. It was really scary. And that's a, that was a big challenge and a big risk we had to take um, that I guess no one really likes to glamorize. The, the finance, it was like, oh, fashionably, earth money, yeah, pretty close, great. But we were like, we were struggling, not yeah. struggling, but it was tough. We, were, we really had to cut back on a lot of things. Like there was no extra spending on stuff. It was like literally our wage. It was hands and mouth. Our, our wage was literally like, a graduate wage intern each. Like, it was so bad. I was like, this is what we're, dire. we're lucky that our husbands don't work as well. It's fantastic. But it was tough. We had to really supplement, you know, two-thirds of our wage is going to pouring into major and then an offset um, account from as well against our house to supplement that kind of cash flow. Um, and we're still in the red now. It's been two months. Obviously, like we're going to expect to be in the red for a long time. While, and that's the reality that I guess no one talks about. But that was a, a big challenge that, it was more of the fear we had to overcome than the actual finance. We're still going, going for finances. But the fear of having this debt, we're like, okay, it's okay, it'll work itself out. Yeah. You're right that not many people talk about that side. And from the outside, working in fashion, you're like, oh, my God, that looks amazing. But it's not always like that. <laughs> I think before we started, I was like, oh, it'll be, like, it'll be 30 grand. Lol. Oh, my God, no. No. Look, and, it's, and it is, it is <laughs> something that yeah, people don't talk about. So I think it's where a lot of new businesses fail when they don't actually understand the gravity of how much things actually cost. And I think we were going into it this second time around knowing that we would have to invest a lot into it and that it would be a slow burn. Yeah. We knew, we knew particularly because our price point isn't that click happy price point for purchasing that we wouldn't earn our money back straight away. And we had to be really prepared with that and knowing that we had to kind of like, battle the storm through it especially with like you know the current financial crisis yeah. we're in at the moment in australia and globally like we really had to knuckle down and be prepared for that and it, but it's hard when none of your peers or other people are talking about it you think am i failing am, am i spending too much money on something is it really worthwhile like, even our dad we're, look we're greek entrepreneurial background dad's like why don't you get your friend to shoot your photos for you for free and i was like no, yes, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, con, it's a hot word. do that. We, um, we really, look, our bucket is in marketing, so I'm very aware of branding is so important. And these days, the, the landscape is so saturated. We knew <clears throat> we really had, like, one opportunity to really make a massive impact. And, yeah, if that, so we worked really hard in our branding strategy and make sure we had a beautiful photographers. And we paid a lot for our photographers and models, but it created this really beautiful, strong, very, very visually strong, cohesive brand that I feel like it was worth, it was worth how much we spent on it. Yeah. And it will, if we had done it, I guess, if we had kind of copped out. And skimmed. And skimmed on areas of that capacity, I feel like we would be at disservice and we'd be having the trajectory we have now if we hadn't done that. So, yeah, I think definitely it was important for us to spend the money and figure it out later. That's my motto, really. I'm going to spend it and figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> And in terms of being content creators and having marketing backgrounds, is your main source of marketing at the moment social media? 100%. I think it's funny coming as off the back of being a creator. Um, we've gifted a lot of creators and stuff like that. And we know from the marketing side that influencers sometimes don't do a lot. Like they don't create a lot of traction for sales. And we know that, especially in this current landscape, 
there's not really a direct link to creators posting and direct sales because consumers are very much more conscious these days. They want to think, they want to mull over it, they'll see it 15 times before they purchase. And we see that a lot in our We're just saying that we twice less is the major driver. We're fantastic ROI. Oh yeah, we have um, we have a great return on investment. <laughs> And it's just, it's so, it's nice knowing that we can still do our job yeah. <laughs> and it's still really effective. It comes down to the fact that like we, we are, we have a beautiful community of followers who really trust us and we've kind of cultivated over, over several years. So they do trust our opinions and they've kind of been waiting for pants for years. So they're kind of like, if you've got pants, I'm buying them all. Um, so we're very fortunate in that capacity, obviously. Um, but yeah, our major source of, I guess, sales traction is, is 100% Instagram. Instagram so far. We've done a bit of Facebook ads here and there, but then again, I'm not digitally savvy in that capacity of like meta ads. Very confusing. Um, but definitely Instagram. Like we see the stats back in on our website of where the traffic source is coming from for sales and conversions and conver- conversion history. And it is a hundred percent Instagram. So link in uh, bio, like, yeah, which is amazing. And it's great to know that Instagram as a platform is still is still so powerful, yeah. especially with a new brand. And I think too, especially with a fashion brand, Instagram, because you do have the grid, it's so easy to quickly look at the grid and go, okay, that's aesthetic. That's how people have styled the the look. So it, it kind of makes sense more so for those really tangible um, products, I think, whereas TikTok still brands are really struggling to work out what's the best way to advertise a product. Whereas like with clothing, obviously you can be wearing it, but it's not as... Yeah, straight down the line, I guess. There's not like a formula. Like I found that we've been sharing on TikTok and the posts that have done the best for us on the major TikTok platform has literally been like, come to the warehouse and pack an order with me. And it's me talking about packing an order, what people are buying rather than actually wearing the product. And I think it's TikTok from a brand perspective is very much like, I want to face they the want, name. Yeah, want I want the behind the scene, yeah. uh, behind the scenes. And that's why I think Australian fashion brands are struggling because they've been corporate or professional for such a long period of time on social media and Instagram predominantly, and then transitioning onto TikTok when they have to personify themselves with a face to the name and talk to camera and stuff like that. It's not quite landing because they don't know how to do that. And yeah. I guess we have that luxury as a creator. We know how to do that. But then how do you still be professional from a brand perspective? It's a very, very tricky balance. Mm, definitely. And in terms of both accounts now, how do you approach building and nurturing your community of followers, engaging with them on social media? Uh, well, I guess what we really wanted to focus on from the start was building a really good network of subscribers to our website. For major. So for major. So we really wanted to offer, um, we're not really probably going to be doing many sales on major or anything like that. We wanted to offer subscriber-only community benefits. So, like, styling sessions, um, like, styling videos from us, from Twice Bless. Or early access to. Or early access to different launches or um, private members-only sales. We really wanted to focus on honouring people who want to invest into our brand rather than leaving it open to everybody. I mean, everyone's valuable and they all deserve to have a discount if you want it. But it's more so, like, if you take the time to invest into our business, subscribe to us, be updated on our newsletters, then you should have first access to these special memberships. I think that's really... We wanted to honor those people. We want to honor us. That's how we kind of thought about it. Yeah. Um, and not just that. We but kind of- in terms of like holistically, how do we really honor the community on both platforms? We've always been this from the start. We respond back to every single direct message. Yeah. We respond back to every single comment that we can because our community is the most important thing to us, especially with Twice Less. We've always been like that. 
And luckily there's two of us, so we can like tag team. Yeah. But But we've been very, very, very intentional about building community through our actions of communicating with our audience and, you know, investing in in them, hearing what they have to say, hearing their feedback. And I think even for Major that's transitioned so well because, you know, we're very much like if you need styling advice, DM us on our platform. And, you know, we had a customer yesterday saying, hey, I'm going to a winery this weekend with a split skirt, but I don't really know how to style it. Can you give me some some advice? And I gave her like three options how to style it. And she was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Thank you so much. But I think it's that added value from a brand perspective that you do not get from your Camilla Remarks or your David Jones or stuff like that because it is much more closed off in terms of that customer service perspective. And I think because we have twice blessed, there's a face to the brand so people know it's us. So they know rather than, like, oh, hi, Major team, like, oh, hey, Marissa and Rebecca. They know they can reach out to us through Major and know it's going to be us responding. And because, Get that more personalised style are, service. Yeah, as they said, very personable on our twice blessed platform. Like a lot of our followers are like, I feel like you're my friend. And I was like, you are our friends because digital friends. So, like, we have massive DM conversations with our followers all the time. So, for us, it's very much so, like, would obviously translate that into Major because – Obviously, it was more of a professional lens. Professional spin, but still, it's very much so. Very, like, like personable. If you want to ask a question about sizing or, like, hey, is it? I've got a short torso, the pants going to fit me, we're going to answer you back quite quickly and in our usual kind of tone and manner. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there are many people listening along who are green with envy over your careers. Now, what advice do you have for aspiring content creators who want to establish their presence in the fashion industry? Um, 100% just be authentic and be yourself. You know, I think tone of voice, especially on social media, is so important from a marketing perspective, but make sure that tone of voice is yours and not someone else's, not manufactured because that's not long-lasting and it'll get really tiring and taxing trying to be someone else and be a certain way to get followers, get likes, get views even because following, that's popular. Even trends these days, it's, just, it's so transient and it changes so much. Like, for example, like, there's a bunch of girls who were like three years ago, like really into that like black and white aesthetic, and then went to like they went really Gen Z and millennial, and now like who, who's my style now? And it's like I feel like I can't wear a basic outfit because I've been wearing color bombs for five years. Yeah, so it's kind of like, and look, we went when we did that through I guess maybe a quicker succession of period, but it's it's figure out who you are as a person rather than using a brand, using the term as your brand as identity. Um, who are you as a person? Like stripping back, who are you? And how does your outfit or your fashion, uh, I guess, highlight that or enhance that? And then another advice I'd give is, you know, you know Beck said, just, just be yourself and be authentic. But also I think it's really important. Find a need and actually service your community to as add well. value. To add value. How you, exactly, how I knew you, I were thinking that. Okay. I was looking at you and I'm like, I know exactly what you're trying to say. Like to yeah, you need to find a way to add value to your community that other people aren't adding Not value noise, to. But what actually is meaningful that you can convey to your audience that actually going to cut through all the noise of this current generation. And if that's the niche, that could just be a niche. And that's okay because it doesn't matter how big a community is. If you have a niche, small group of people who actually really care about what you're trying to say, mm. that's really important as well and stick to that. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. You're in your own lane. There's more than enough space for everyone to be in their own lane doing their own thing, thing and succeed with it. And my very last question for you, before we get on to the quickfire questions, what does fashion mean to you both and how do you hope to inspire and empower women through your work with both Twice Blessed and Major? I think fashion for us um, is very linked to our identity and I guess from us being faith-based, how 
God sees us. And so for us, when we see fashion and how we dress ourselves, we, phys- we feel like we're physically clothing ourselves in our identity. And so, you know, I wear a blazer because it makes me feel empowered and strong and worthy and beautiful. And I think that's how we've always seen fashion as an extension of our identity and not our identity, an extension of that and the way to enhance that. And I think with major, that's how we want women to feel, to put on a piece of clothing that is from major from our collection and say, wow, I've never felt so heard or so seen wearing a pair of pants before. And we've actually received that feedback, which is, so amazing like someone's a few customers have emailed us saying i've never felt so seen in a pair of pants before because finally they fit me perfectly and i feel beautiful and i feel worthy and i feel confident and we want women to feel that way because i think for so long we've been told like especially with this oversized trend to wear big and boxy things and i'm like how is that celebrating our figure how is that celebrating ourselves and i think we want major in particular to make women feel beautiful mm-hmm. and make them feel honoured and special and, you know, confident. And then even it's beyond that, it's an issue that we haven't started yet but we've been planning in the background, is how we can use major to facilitate a greater purpose. So for us, um, being Christians, we have a real strong mission heart for what we want to do um, and to impact women globally, whether that be through um, helping women out of sex trafficking um, or DV situations Things like that, we're really so, trying to work and navigate how we can partner with organizations or how major can physically, you know, give women clothing for out of DV situations. We're kind of working on that kind of element at the moment. So for us, it's like a kind of two-pronged attack. Major works on the physicality of like actually dressing women, making them really worthy and bold, but actually how can major um, be a financial impact to people as well, mm. through people who can't help themselves um, through their own situation. Um, so that's a project we're working on at the moment, um, which will be really exciting. We're going to be more that as well. Oh, I love that. That is so exciting. And thank you so much for sharing your time with me. But I have five quick fire questions left for you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. First one. What has been your favorite PR event ever? Look, I don't, know, I don't know about ever. My pregnancy and postpartum brain can't remember that far. But recently, I think one of my most favourite ones. Wait, say the Hermes event. Oh, no, I wasn't going to say the Hermes event. Oh, okay. I was going to say the Swiss Gummies event that I went to. Oh, okay. And that was so much fun. That had uninspired, unemployed. It was really cool. It had all those vending machines with, like, the Swiss gummies. Like, you could pick up the claw machine. Yeah, true. I think because Beck couldn't come. Where were you? You were somewhere else. And my husband came with me. And it was really fun. It was a really nice, fun event. My friends were there, DJ. It was really cool. I really liked that event. I think for me, and it was an Hermes beauty event. No, Hermes. Hermes Fit. Hermes Fit event in Sydney. And we went up. And, yes, it's a very glamorous brand. I can't remember Hermes. And there was a lot of people there. But the reason why it was so good is because I had a surprise guest. And I think it just played into our millennial. And we were just about to leave. Well, like, it, was like, it was like 9.30 and we're like, we're old. Let's go home. And the security guard was like, you can't, you can't, you can't leave. And we're like, why? And he's like, do not leave. There's, the guest is going to come on soon. And we're like, mm, okay. And up to that point, it had been kind of like a little bit really intense. There's a lot of like sensory overload. I'm like, we'll just wait. And then the DJ started playing and I was like, oh, it's the presets. Wonderful. And I <laughs> literally lost my shit. Yeah. Like we saw the presets 12 years ago in concert and I was like, I'm really for my youth. It, that was so amazing. Was very, very memorable. Very memorable. Absolutely. That sounds very, very cool. Okay. Next question. What is your favorite podcast apart from this one? Of course, my therapist goes with me. 100%. It's one of my favorite. It's so funny. I discovered it during COVID and 
I think it's just, is it the accents? I don't know. But like Joanne McNally is so freaking hilarious. And I think the dynamic is so perfect. And um, yeah, I just love that one. Love. Uh, What is your favorite social media platform? Uh, Instagram, because I'm so aesthetic. And now... And now I'm lazy because Instagram has the re- like TikTok on the reels. So I'm just going to like. Oh, I don't do that. That's lazy. I know it is really lazy. I generally Instagram. It's so millennial of you. I know. It's so <laughs> millennial. It's so like a boy thing. Okay, I'm not going to download TikTok. I'm going to watch TikTok on, on Instagram. <laughs> um, mine is Instagram predominantly, but I love TikTok's cat videos. And yeah. Cat videos, like, yeah. What is your most visited website? Um, probably at the moment, um, major.com, uh, or the memo because I am pregnant and I'm constantly buying stuff for the baby. Uh, mine's definitely Shopify. It's a really weird answer, but it's definitely Shopify every single day. <laughs> and my last question for you and my most controversial, what is your screen time? Um, that's a really good question. I actually have no idea. Oh, I, I didn't have it on. Because she's so ashamed. Oh, like, that's a good, good answer. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna grab my phone and check. Where is it, Marissa? I just typed in screen time. Um, yeah, I didn't have mine on, but it's probably pretty hard to be honest. Um, um, although I don't know because I'm excited. I'm generally watching him do things all the time. Mine daily average is five hours and six minutes. There you go. Which that's, isn't that bad, I don't think. That's not that bad. I feel like considering we work on our phones in social media. Yeah. I'm very conscious now. I'm very conscious of like when my husband gets home, it's like, okay, turn the phone off. Well, yeah. la. I think that's the old person in us now. Like, okay, set boundaries for work. After this time, the phone goes away. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. I so, so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having us thank and um, asking us such amazing questions. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much, Marissa. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co. PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co. PR.